Digital PR means getting your business in great publications that your target audience reads. This might be trade magazines, trade sites, or it might mean national newspaper, national magazine type websites. Three benefits of this. Firstly, the credibility that this brings. You can then use this coverage on your website and on your marketing materials to increase the credibility with your target audience. The second benefit is that it gets you in front of people, so that can drive traffic and that can drive awareness of your business. And the third benefit is SEO. Now for lots of the digital PR community, SEO was always really considered the primary benefit of digital PR. Yes, it's nice to get coverage. Yes, you might get some links and you might get some shares on social and that type of stuff. But really, a lot of people did digital PR because it got them great links from high authority publications. There was always a bit of a gray area though. Was digital PR really truly white hat or was it something that actually Google kind of frowned upon. Well, big news podcast listeners, Mr. Google himself, John Mueller, just labeled digital PR as just as critical, possibly more so in many cases than technical SEO. This might seem like a very small thing, but this is absolutely huge. Cue a kind of worldwide digital PR meltdown. Most of the time when Google is talking about links, it's talking about what us SEOs cannot do. It's talking about the things that we shouldn't do, the different ways ways that manipulation can be defined and all this type of stuff. Here, for one of the first times, we actually have someone credible from Google saying, actually, do you know what? This is really good, and not only is it good, in some cases it's more important than one of the things considered to be super, super important, technical SEO. Whilst the digital PR corner of SEO basks in the sort of glory usually bestowed only on Love Island winners and Elon Musk stock tips, in this podcast episode, we're gonna break down how to get started with digital PR, the different types of digital PR that are out there, and what you need to do to get your business coverage using this newly Google-approved digital marketing strategy. Welcome to the Exposure Ninja Digital Marketing Podcast. Welcome to the Exposure Ninja Podcast. My name's Tim Cameron Kitchen. I'm Head Ninja at Exposure Ninja. In this show today, we're going to run through a process that you can use to get news coverage for your business. Now, who is this for? You might be listening to this thinking, yeah, but I'm the marketing manager or I'm the business owner of, of a you know, really boring company. We're definitely not PR ready. We're not some you know fun, cool, sexy B2C company. We're like a really dry B2B business or something like that. Well, fear not my friends. It does doesn't matter what your business does, it's all about how you find a creative angle to spin your expertise. If you don't believe me, here are three businesses that we've had some great digital PR results for, and I think you would agree none of them are particularly sexy or cool. Firstly, content-only site that made its money through affiliate links, so it didn't even sell any products. Not particularly sexy at all. Second example, a PPI lead generation business. I mean, I don't think you could get any less sexy than PPI. And the third example is a warehouse racking safety inspection firm. Yes, they don't even sell warehouse racking, which 
maybe could be a little bit sexy with all the rise in e-commerce, they sell warehouse racking safety inspections. So all three of these businesses have had great PR results and got significant business results as a result of this digital PR. We're going to talk about that a little bit later on. But let me just assure you that you don't need to be a fun, cool, hip, sexy business to get digital PR results. It's all about the creative angle that you take with your story rather than what your business actually does. Okay, so firstly, what is digital PR? Well, if you have a look through the news media, you'll notice that there are really two types of story in inverted commas. You've got the sort of current affairs stuff like politics stuff, stuff that's actually happening, stuff that people are, you know, people are saying things and it's being reported. That's the sort of, you know, stuff that goes out of date after a few hours or a few days. Then you have a lot of other stuff that's being shared by news publications, which is a little bit more like this article in The Sun from Posh and Bex to Mark Wright and Michelle Keegan, the couples coining it on Instagram. And this story is all about how much different influencer couples are making through their Instagram posts. Now, this is a digital PR piece, and we can see it's a digital PR piece because it's written by or it's interviewing someone who has absolutely no affiliation to influencer marketing at all. It's Cass Patton, the founder and CEO of onbuy.com. And there's a link to onbuy in the second paragraph of this article. It's very clearly a digital PR piece. There's no reason that Cass Patton, the founder and CEO of onbuy.com would be talking about couples on Insta unless they wanted PR coverage. Here's another example. The top most popular Netflix series from the past year. The subheadline is research reveals the Queen Gambit comes out on top, but there's no room for Bridgerton. So what is this story on the Bristol Post website? Well, this is all about a survey that's been conducted or some research that's been conducted about the highest and rated episodes from Netflix series over the past year. So what's happened here is that someone in this case, bingo app Tombola has delved into IMDb, the like TV and movie database thing where all everyone rates shows. And they've basically looked through the Netflix shows and they've put together a table about which have the highest and lowest ratings. That is it. Now, why are bingo app Tombola doing this? What do they have to do with Netflix or anything? Well, nothing really, but it's pretty difficult to get bingo and gambling links. So they've had to take a different approach. So this is another example of a digital PR piece. Getting coverage for a story rather than getting coverage for the business. Why are they doing this? Because they want the mentions from high authority publications. That's going to help their ranking for things like Bingo app. Okay, uh, another example, staying with the Bridgerton theme. These Bridgerton inspired baby names are tipped to be big. This is on Refinery29. And here we have an article all about the different baby names that are trending at the moment, which are featured in Bridgerton. Now this is according to a website Bella Baby and Bella Baby has put together a blog called Baby Names Inspired by Bridgerton and it's just listing some of the names in Bridgerton and what their origin is and what their meaning is. Then they've reached out to the media, they've reached out to journalists and they've got some coverage for this story. Is it a story? sort of. It's really just names <laughs> that are featured in Bridgerton. There's actually not a huge amount of information here, but Bridgerton is a trending topic. Refinery29 wants to write about Bridgerton. It's a catchy angle that people who are interested in Bridgerton or who are interested in naming their babies are going to be reading. So it's a great way of getting some coverage. So 
you can see these sorts of things very very straightforward once you see what's going on you start to look at the news a little bit differently and you realize there's really these two types of news in inverted commas we've got actual news and then we've got these kind of quirky stories new research suggests and that's a key kind of indication that there's a digital PR piece. No one just does research for the sake of it. Everyone who's doing research has a goal and often that goal is to get coverage for the business that is funding the research or conducting the research uh, through their audience. So that's kind of broadly what's going on here. Now the goal of all of this stuff is really getting links and mentions. Okay, so if you get a link from any of these publications, obviously that helps your website's ranking on Google. If you get a mention, that also helps and it builds brand visibility as well. You can also get social media shares if you come up with a, you know, a creative hook which lends itself well to, you know, making like short pictures. You see those people doing the personality test or something like that or finding out what Marvel character they are, you know, that type of thing can also work really well, get a lot of engagement and, and that type of thing. So it's cool, it's sexy, it's fun, it's exciting, it's the sort of stuff that people love to talk about and love to get. So if you're a marketing manager, taking this sort of stuff to your boss makes you look really good because now you're being featured in sort of top tier publications that they may never have thought would be possible to get into. So let's talk about the few main categories of digital PR because there are different types of digital PR that you can use uh, and we'll give we'll talk through some examples as well. So the first type of digital PR is newsjacking. With newsjacking, you are jumping on micro or macro trends to to make yourself more relevant. So the Bridgerton example there. At the time of recording this podcast episode, everyone's talking about Bridgerton. It's the latest hot Netflix show. So lots of digital PR is going out there talking about Bridgerton. This is what we call a micro trend. It's something which is happening very kind of in the moment, probably in a month, in two months, in a year, we might not be talking about Bridgerton unless there's another series. So it's something that happens quite quickly. You need to be quite responsive. Again, at the time of recording this, we've just um, had Joe Biden's inauguration and there was a picture of Bernie Sanders sitting in a chair wearing his mittens. Okay, this again was a massive micro trend, super trending all over Twitter and social. Lots of brands piggybacking on this. We saw IKEA uh, through their Ogilvy agency um, do a piece where they basically sold the chair and they sold oven gloves to represent the mittens that he was wearing. And they got loads of traction for this. Like it's it's Ikea being cool, like, oh, get the Bernie look, that type of thing. So that's an example of a micro trend that you can piggyback on. Then we have macro trends. So these are longer term things which people are aware of and over time builds a bit of visibility. Uh, one piece of work that we did for a client in this area was around loot boxes. So we had a gambling client and uh, loot boxes, which are something that in, in computer games, you have these like loot boxes, which are you can buy credits to, to potentially win um, different tokens inside the game. And there's a big argument about whether or not these are gambling and lots of kind of attention about them. But that attention had been going on over months and months and months. So we worked with our gambling client to uh, conduct a survey to find out what people thought about these loot boxes and to see whether they were gambling or not see what people felt about them. And the overwhelming opinion was that actually, yes, they were gambling. So therefore, these should be, you know, legislated and treated as gambling. Well, we did that survey, we did some PR and, and kind of that was great. And then a little bit later on, it popped up again and the story started picking up some attention as well. 
uh, you know, all over again. And this time we actually got coverage in The Guardian because The Guardian needed a source when it was talking about loot boxes. It needed a source which um, stated what public opinion was. Because we had a survey uh, which gave public opinion on these loot boxes, they could use us as the source, which meant they had to link back to the website. That really helped ranking and pushed that business's visibility much, much higher over the course of that whole digital PR campaign. So you've got these micro trends, and then you've got macro trends, things like home working, um, things like home gym equipment, that type of thing, which happen over a longer period of time and tend to stay in trending topics for much longer. So newsjacking, that's the first category of digital PR, reaching out to piggyback on something that's already happening. The second category is data outreach. So this is a little bit more like what we talked about with the conducting your own data thing, where you'll either conduct your own research. So another example, an e-cigarette client that we worked with, we conducted a survey with YouGov to find out whether people thought that e-cigarettes were more dangerous than traditional cigarettes or vice versa. Anyway, it turns out most people thought that traditional cigarettes were much more dangerous and e-cigarettes were much safer. So we conducted this survey about public opinion and got coverage in lots of places in, in the vaping world because this was not the first time that people have come up with, <laughs> with information about what people thought of vaping, but this was a later survey and it was you know well-researched and it had all the kind of rigor that, that you'd expect of that type of survey. Another example um, was our PPI client and we wanted to find out how many people knew about the PPI deadline. So again, we conducted a survey. We came up with first-party data for this and then we reached out to different publications and it got coverage all over the place, including national newspapers like The Mirror. So that's the first kind of flavor of data outreach, you can conduct your own survey and have your own data, which you can then share out to publications. And the key here is to put that data in some form on your website so that when these publications talk about the story, they have to link back to your site. If you don't have your own data though, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> there are lots and lots of data sources out there that can be tapped into or combined to tell a story. So for example, you'll notice a lot of digital PR is around um, Google Trends data. So what's happening as a result of home working? Who are the winners and losers in, uh, you know, due to lockdown? Lots of digital PR came out in in lockdown around those sorts of topics and lots of it was simply based on Google Trends data. So were more people searching for, you know, home desks rather than new cars? Well, yes, they were at the start of lockdown. So that was then a story that, you know, the winners and losers from lockdown. So lots of the stories that we've kind of talked about already are, are you know, using other people's data. The, um, the Bristol Post story from uh, bingo app Tombola using IMDB data to put together a story. So they didn't have to pay for that. They didn't have to do anything with that. They just went onto IMDb, had a quick look, put together some articles, and then reached out to publications. There's another one here. Yorkshire Dales named Europe's best national park with two other UK spots on the list. This is from the Mirror, and basically it's looking at um, TripAdvisor results. Okay, so it's just looking through what the satisfaction ratings are on TripAdvisor, you know, and it's putting together a story based on that. So you don't have to have your own data. You can use other third-party data that's already out there you can put trends data against TripAdvisor data you can uh, we've actually found peer review studies and we've used the data from those and shared that because they didn't get much attention the first time around so there's lots of data out there and organizations like office of national statistics are constantly putting together data pieces and surveys and studies that get very little attention so if there's something relevant to your story and your angle which we'll talk about in just a second then you can use those in your digital pr okay the third category 
category of digital PR is what we call inbound requests. So inbound requests are when a journalist is writing about a topic and they need a source. They need someone to speak on that topic, to provide an opinion or to provide some data. Lots and lots of different ways of being on the journalist's contact list for this type of thing. To be honest, the most popular that we use at the moment are is Twitter. So two hashtags on Twitter that you can follow, hashtag journal request and hashtag PR request. These are used by lots of people when they need a source for a story because they need, you know, well, in fact, let me just search Twitter and let me just read out some of the stuff that we're finding. Okay, so I've just searched it on today, which is 28th of January, the time of recording this. And the first one I can see is from Holly Borland, at Holly Borland. She says, looking for expert comment on the GameStop situation let me know if you can help. So this is something in finance and stock market, but also potentially in psychology. Um, lots and lots of different angles that you have on this. Hashtag journal request. Who is Holly? Well, Holly is deputy consumer editor at The Sun. Okay, so that might be a great person to have in your contact list. And you could probably have a good shot at giving an opinion on that. Now, if you're in the right business, obviously. And at the time of recording this, tweet has been live for two hours and there's only four replies so far. So I would jump on that if I was in finance or if I had a potential angle on that. Let's have a look at some others. Here's another one from Ellen C. And she says, I'm on the search for people renting in Birmingham to take part in what I rent. Are you renting in Birmingham? Do you know someone who is? Uh, slide into my emails at what I rent at metro.co.uk. If so, hashtag journal request. So she's writing for the Metro. Now you might not be renting in Birmingham. I realize that there may be someone in your business that is, but if not, it doesn't really matter. The point is scour through hashtag journal request and hashtag PR request looking for relevant opportunities for you. So that's Twitter. There are other ways to get inbound journal requests as well. You can use services like Gorkana, which is kind of pricey response source, um, which is less pricey, but still costs money. And with these sorts of services, what you do is you sign up for different categories of journal request, and then you will get an email from the journalist and you'll have information about the publication, the deadline for submissions, and the sort of inquiry that, you know, that they're looking for help with. So these sorts of services can be a great way of getting your business on these sorts of sites, which, you know, you may think, if you're a normal business, you may think, well, we're never going to get coverage in the Mirror or the Times or the Telegraph or Forbes. But actually, do you know what? You really can. I've personally been featured on the Forbes website three or four different times. Um, I've been on the Times, the Telegraph, the Guardian. I've been live on Radio 4, all because of the hashtag PR request, hashtag journal request. Interestingly, the Radio 4 one is a good story here. So <laughs> I saw a journal request or someone in Exposure Ninja um, ping me a journal request about a Radio 4 program that was talking about um, uh, invoices and invoice payments being delayed to smaller businesses. Now at the time, I think this was probably 2016, um, Exposure Ninja, let's say our invoice chasing procedure wasn't particularly well, uh, well thought out. So we had quite a lot of clients that hadn't paid their invoices or were paying late. So <laughs> I'm on Radio 4 talking about, you know, the, the trouble with this and what this means for businesses and, you know, cash flow problems that this can cause if it's allowed to get unchecked. And I I have a very apologetic email from one of our late clients a few minutes after I finish on air saying, Tim, this is really embarrassing. I've just heard you on Radio 4 talking about late invoices. I'm really sorry. I've paid up to date. <laughs> so very, very immediate ROI on that sort of media coverage. Anyway, that's inbound requests. So there are three different types of digital PR, basically uh, news jacking, where you're hopping on a micro or macro trend, data outreach, where you're putting together your own data or other people's data, which is newsworthy, and then 
inbound requests. So that is getting uh, requests from journalists who are writing a story. So now you know the different types of digital PR or DPR, what's the process that you need to go through? Well, the first thing that you need to do is work out your angle. And we're going to run through an exercise in just a minute that helps you do this. But first, if you need some help with your digital marketing, and if this sort of thing is something that you're really keen on exploring further, but you don't have the time and resource, because let's be honest, we might spend 20, 30, 40 hours a month for some of our clients doing this stuff. It's not the sort of thing that you can just do in 15 minutes every other Sunday night. Uh, it's the sort of thing that takes a bit of time and energy to do. If you want some help with your digital marketing, or you're thinking, I don't really know where we should be focusing our digital marketing attention, we don't know what we don't know, then we've got a free service which can help you. Our digital marketing agency, Exposure Ninja, does this stuff and other digital marketing for clients every day. This is what we do. You can go to ExposureNinja.com forward slash review. That's ExposureNinja.com forward slash review to request a free website and digital marketing review. We'll take a look at your site from a conversion optimization and user journey perspective, but we'll also have a look at the digital marketing that you're doing across SEO, uh, content marketing, social media, pay-per-click advertising as well. We'll also take a look at your competitors. What are they doing to get visibility? How are they driving traffic to their websites? What are they doing well, which you can piggyback on? And what are they doing poorly, which you might be able to exploit? We'll put all of this information into a 15 minute video, which which we send over to you usually within two or three working days. This service, unbelievably, is free. <laughs> we have a bank of awesome people who are cranking out these reviews for businesses all over the world every day. We do thousands of them a year. So if you want to request yours, go to ExposureNinja.com forward slash review and request your free review today. And if you're interested in working with us on this stuff, that is the first step to take because the first thing that we need to do is identify where we need to focus on to help your business grow. So go to ExposureNinja.com forward slash review today. All right, so let's look at how to come up with a creative and interesting angle for your business. Now, what we're gonna do, we're gonna use an example of a business which maybe isn't considered to be the most interesting. <laughs> accountants, sorry accountants, you don't have a great rep for being super exciting, but let me tell you, I, I'm absolutely, I'm a big fan of our accountant. I love all our accountancy clients. Fantastic businesses, obviously very well and very sensibly run, um, but don't tend to be, you know, the sexiest, loads of fireworks going off, loads of interesting stuff going on. So let's do this exercise. Let's come up with a creative angle for an accountancy firm. And let's make it even more challenging. Let's make it tax accountancy, which could be one of the most boring topics in all of accountancy. So there we go. We've got a tax accountant that works B2B, right? Let's come up with a creative angle, which could be interesting. And let's target some national press with it. So first thing that we need to do is get out of our immediate area of service. So if we're a tax accountant, we spend all our time every day talking about tax accountancy. That's okay, but we're probably not going to get lots of coverage for that very specific topic. So what we might need to do is open ourselves out and start thinking from a kind of second tier approach. So tax accountancy, what does that make us a specialist in? Well, it does make us a specialist in tax. And maybe there are some angles that we could take on tax, which might have uh, a general population kind of interest level. For example, one of the big macro trends that's going on at the moment is people are very frustrated with large multinational corporations 
that have, you know, extremely complicated tax arrangements so that they earn billions in profit and pay very, very small amounts in tax. Maybe you could piggyback on that trend and create a league table of the companies that are paying the least tax whilst making the most profit in your area. Maybe that would be something that would be interesting because, you know, people love to beat on Amazon for having its, you know, Irish subsidies and all this stuff. Like maybe you could provide a voice on that. Maybe that's something which people might be really interested in. Did you know these large corporations, you know, who's the worst tax offender in the UK? Now, obviously, you need to be careful with this. You're you're not going to say anything that's going to get you into trouble. You're going to word it in a way that's extremely factual and all based on publicly available information. But that might be something that is of interest. The other thing that you might be um, kind of able to help people with is business growth. And maybe there are, you know, angles on what are the businesses that have grown most during lockdown? What different types of businesses are being formed during lockdown? Uh, What are the, which businesses are best positioned to make money out of lockdown? Those types of angles also might be of interest. And particularly if it's, you know, comparing the winners and losers of lockdown and coronavirus and that type of thing, that's again, a macro trend that people might be interested in. So actually, even just taking a tax accountancy business and brainstorming for 30 seconds, we can start to come up with some angles that could be of interest to news media. Now, one of the filters to pass any idea through is to think, is this idea genuinely interesting to the people that I'm going to be pitching it to? So what you've got to imagine is the people who are reading The Sun, for example, when they sit on the sofa in the evening, are they going to be talking about your thing? If you're really going to blow something up, then ideally you want a topic that people are going to be talking about. They're going to be interested in discussing. If they're not, then move on, find something else. So once you've got your idea, the next step is to pick the publications that you want to go after. Now, everyone automatically thinks here, you know, national press, that's that's who we want to go after. We want to get on the Times website, we want to get on the independent, you know, those sort of top tier publications. Those are in the UK, by the way. Now, that might be right for you, but it also might not be right for you. So one of the questions we ask when we're running a digital PR campaign for clients is where do the target audience hang out? If it's B2B, actually the target audience might be spending their time on trade magazine sites. So we've had a lot of success getting businesses coverage on sites that are like industry trade journal type sites, which have lots of stories about that particular you know, that particular industry, because that's where their customers hang out. If you're selling B2C, then it might be that you go for national press, or there might be some particular interest sites that you want to go after. Let's say you were in knitting, for example, maybe there are some knitting specific sites that you can go after. So don't just think that digital PR has to be for national press, you can also go more niche. And then that's actually going to help you get more traction earlier, because obviously the writers for these types of sites aren't getting 300 pitches a day, whereas writers for the sun or metro or whatever may well be getting 300 pitches a day. So you have got a more more chance of of getting through the net as well as also potentially getting in front of more qualified potential customers for your business. My next piece of advice is to spend some time on the sites that you're going to be targeting to look at the sort of content they publish. If you just come up with your idea and you come up with a bit of a headline and then you just pitch the same thing to everyone, it's less likely to get through than if you can tailor what you're pitching to the publication that you're sending it through to. So The Sun, uses very different headlines to The Guardian, which uses very different headlines to HR Zone. So you need to make sure that when you're pitching something, you're broadly in the right sort of language so that the writers for those publications 
are like, okay, yeah, this sounds like the sort of thing I can see getting onto the site. Once you've picked your publications, the next step is to research your contacts. So go onto your target publication site, find the writer who has written about that topic in the past, copy their name, paste it and search for their name, Twitter. You'll find their Twitter account and usually they've got their email address in their Twitter bio. It's that simple. If they don't have their email address in their Twitter bio, I mean, they really usually do have their email address in their Twitter bio because they want story submissions. Um, then it might be on their publication website. If it's a trade journal and some of the sites are freelancers across loads of different sites, then there might just be a general kind of submissions or idea submissions or something box on the contact page, which you may have to use. But generally, you know, those emails are going to someone whose job it is to delete emails all day. So if possible, you want to send it to a person and usually not the editor unless it's a very small publication. Couple of tips around outreach. So you want to let the writer know your idea. You don't want to beat around the bush. You don't want to try and build a massive relationship with them first. It's a very transactional discussion, if we're honest. After they've published it, you're going to go back and thank them and all that type of stuff. But really, to begin with, just pitch them the idea, get out the way because they're getting a lot of pitches. You're not going to get a yes on your first, or at least you're probably not going to get a yes on your first attempt. So you're going to have to follow up with them. Also, don't just rely on definitely getting one particular publication and just target that publication. You really do need to cast a fairly wide net. When we're doing PR outreach, we might be contacting 30, 40 different publications to make sure we get enough coverage because it's not going to be right for everyone and it's not going to be the right time for everyone either. Another thing to consider is can you use what we call a national local approach? So a national local approach is about taking a kind of national data set and figuring out what local angles you can derive from it. So let's say for example the Bridgerton inspired baby names, there might be some data around regional differences in baby names that are inspired by Bridgerton and that would then give the PR an opportunity to target the Nottingham Post or Surrey Live to talk about what Bridgerton inspired baby names are most popular in those areas. So by taking this kind of segmented approach and chunking down your national data into regions, you can get a lot of coverage because a lot of these local publications, they don't get a huge volume of submissions and they're always keen to post something that is relevant to that target audience. So you can imagine, you know, most popular Bridgerton inspired baby names in Nottingham may well be something that they would run with. And then you can go through every single different area in the country pitching each of them on the most popular names in their area. So this kind of national local approach is a good thing to keep in mind if you've got a larger data set that you can segment down. So I hope you've learned something today. I hope you found that really useful. Remember, we started off by looking at what is digital PR. We looked at the three different types of digital PR, namely newsjacking, uh, data outreach and inbound requests. We then looked at how to come up with an angle to get yourself coverage. We looked at publication research and how to do outreach. If you've enjoyed this episode, then please do consider subscribing to the podcast. We publish an episode a week all about digital marketing. We're a digital marketing agency, so we do all this stuff for clients. So we share everything that we learn as we're running this stuff on the ground for clients day to day. So whatever podcast platform you're on, click that subscribe button. We also share video episodes of each of these as well, where we actually show you the examples on the screen. So you can find this over on our YouTube channel. If you just go to YouTube and search Exposure Ninja. And don't forget to request your free website and marketing review from ExposureNinja.com forward slash review. Until next week, see you soon.